Morning, all. Uh, nice to see you all online. So I'm delighted to welcome Minterdial to Strategy Cafe uh, with this wonderful subject about empathy in business, which is the primary reason for being here. But then this gorgeous add-on of AI uh, and possibly a discussion a little bit about how we can use that to enhance customer experiences. Uh, and then Minter has some wonderful thoughts about how this can change uh, the world of mental health. So we'll be touching on therapy as well. Um, I'm going to just talk to you a little bit about our leadership school, which is coming up towards the wrap of the session, and then we'll get into, into your Q&A. So um, I'm delighted to welcome you back uh, to Strategy Cafe, Minta. Hello. Um, tell everyone a little bit about you and uh, what you're all about. Hi, hi, hi. hi. Well, in, in the most uh, synthetic manner, I am someone who likes to elevate the debate and connect dots, people and ideas in a meaningful way. And um, I've, I've done this the best I could in the career at L'Oreal, where I was 16 years, finishing up on the executive committee worldwide of their professional division, dealing with hairdressers. And then uh, since 2009, have written five books and um, done a documentary film, Second World War. And in, in the, the connecting thread is always about trying to find meaningfulness and currently i'm working on a book about meaningful conversation and how can we all have engage in far more deep uh constructive even conflictual uh, conversation in a civil manner that will make us all progress and get together oh wonderful um uh, so, um, oh, and uh, here is your book. So just a, a moment for you just as market artificial empathy. Thank you for that. Um, so artificial empathy is a book I wrote first in 2018. And at that time, uh, empathy was not quite as hot a topic. Uh, the pandemic hadn't happened. And AI was still some sort of questionable, maybe incidental type of technology for most businesses. It's now post-pandemic, obvious that empathy is a really interesting uh, application for uh, or a skill for a business person to have, regardless of whether you are having to work remote or, or whatever pandemic situation you were in. The AI has uh, taken off at an at a absolutely phenomenal rate. Everyone's aware. Everyone, Probably everyone who's listening has already done at least one uh, prompt in chat GPT or, or BARD or whatever. And the third thing is um, relevant to our context and the spike in mental health issues, which has been apparent. It, it's something that was present before the pandemic hit, but the pandemic really uh, skittled a lot of people. And in the post-pandemic world where it's a choice to some degree, whether you go into the office or not. And why am I working the great resignation? Why am I bothering to work in this place? It felt really relevant to, to look at how we can embed more empathy into business. And specifically when it comes to AI, look at how AI can be more empathic in its usage in business, and then ultimately in making therapeutic AI effective. And so everyone should go and have a hunt for Minter's book and download it and have a good read. It's just full of really interesting stuff. So before we get into the discussion, I just wanted to take a bit of a pulse on where our listeners are this morning. Uh, so I'm just going to launch a, a quick poll uh, to see you know, how involved you have got 
with this with this subject. Uh, so let's launch the poll. Uh, so what's true for you at work already? Are you already using AI? Are you thinking about using AI? Topic of AI has not even been mentioned. Just interested. So let's have a look at that, Paulin. So for those of you who've answered, if you can see that, so uh, most of you are already using it. One one person just looking at it. A couple of people, quite surprisingly to me, it's uh, not even been mentioned at work yet. So that's quite interesting. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's just get into this a little bit then. So empathy. Minta, I think um, emotional intelligence has been around for a long time, but my experience is people still find it quite hard to nut down on exactly what some of these words might mean. Um, you know, so the general ones you kind of get because you kind of experience them as a flow every day. So I know when I'm angry, I know when I'm happy, I know when I'm content, I know when I'm feeling grouchy, you know, that kind of makes sense. But um, concepts like empathy are a little bit more difficult. So I thought it'd be really great if you could just try and capture the, what empathy actually means for everybody. So there are different schools of thought as to what empathy is, and uh, I can't put them into three baskets. There is uh, a, some academics in the empathy world will uh, divide empathy up into five different types, which uh, I find uh, a little bit of splitting of hairs. Then there's a, a whole slew of people who think that empathy can be divided into two categories. I'm part of that school, which is cognitive and affective empathy. So this is sort of thinking empathy. So I, 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 I understand cognitively what's being thought, felt, and experienced by the other. And the second part is affective empathy, which is where I feel what you're feeling. So if you're feeling sad, I feel sad. If you're feeling curious, I can, I can feel the curiosity uh, within me. And then the third school of thought is that there is no ability to distinguish any of that. Empathy has to be this, or ought to be, if you will, the combination of cognitive and uh, affective empathy. So this um, essentially means that you uh, it's much harder to teach, which is part of the reason why I believe uh, that there are two distinct camps. And it's better to try to have cognitive empathy than not to try to have the whole thing if you're not capable of doing the feeling side of things. I, for example, am not someone who feels other people's feelings so well. And, and so while I, I would like to be better at that, it's very hard to learn to be better at that. On the other hand, learning to listen, learning to observe, learning to be present, these are learnable skills. And so far as you want to do it, that's why I tend to preach this idea that there are two different parts to empathy, one that can be fully learned and therefore taught if you're talking about AI, and the other one, which is of the domain of people who have more of a natural instinct and a natural ability to feel what someone else is feeling. I'm really curious, and I'm, I want to get into the, uh, the the next point about um, you know why you feel it's essential for business. Um, and you know obviously essential for management leadership working with people let's just say working with people but uh this point you mentioned here can i can i ask you about that about your own journey into affective yeah mm -hmm. so so um uh explain why feeling how somebody else feels is hard for you if you can and also i'm curious 
how you've explored how you've explored your your your, your range and your limits there you know what practices have you have you used to sort of explore that mm. well um so the the actual reason i started the the exploration of empathy for a book uh, was because my best friend uh, was depressed and uh, ended up taking his life. Uh, yeah. So I, I spent an enormous amount of time with him in the weeks preceding his death. And um, and it was apparent to me that I, I just couldn't feel his depression, if you will. I couldn't feel his deepest uh, emotions. They, they seemed foreign to me. Yet I was doing my level best to understand where he was coming from and why it was happening and and um and it, it was clear to me that i could have learned more if you will about his situation it's a two two-way tangle at some level because if the other person's not interested in talking it's hard to do anything here you know talking at somebody doesn't sound like it's being very empathic so this sort of led me to say well i wonder what this is all about and and obviously I'd been aware of empathy during my career, and but I'd never gone and <laughs> written a whole book on it. And this is where I started. And then thinking about how I uh, can be more empathic, the idea of being more present, I've been meditating for uh, probably 10 years now. So that idea is good, but then checking in with my own emotions as opposed to just checking in with what I'm feeling, my state. Or what am I thinking about? What's a, what's preoccupying my mind? Uh, and just to just to isolate the idea of what am I feeling? And and uh, it's something that I think I am not good at. And I would, in uh, in a generalization type of mode, think that um, many men suffer more from than women. Uh, less in touch with our bodies, less in touch, less in tune with our emotions. And uh, these studies show that the empathic index the amount that uh, men and women are, are empathic will actually be 10 points to the higher for women versus men so i think that there's some concordance in that and um yeah so i've i've now more able to register my own emotions because i think if you look at the body of work on that there's a lot of people that still struggle to put a label on our emotions the differences between let's say frustrated and disappointed or uh, upset and angry or you know to to put a proper label on it all the time and find the way to be accurate i think for many people is elusive there's the basic ones but then a lot of them a lot the subtler ones it's almost like a question of words and so when you, if you don't know how to do it for yourself, it's hard to, even therefore, difficult to do it on somebody else. So that's about the state of my <laughs> my awareness right now. It's uh, lovely. Thank you so much for sharing uh, that experience. Um, um, I, I, I deeply understand uh, the, the difficulty. Um, and it takes me to this idea of, um, um, you know, uh, when, when we think we have empathy, uh, we're sort of saying to ourselves that we're reciprocating the state that exists in another nervous system and another body, which of course is an unknowable, right? So um, uh, you, you at the very least require some feedback uh, mm -hmm. to understand that you might be experiencing something similar to somebody else, right? So, um, you know, you in mean inputs, that, just, inputs yeah. and feedback. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So 
it's a very it's a very hard thing to put your finger on say i am feeling what you're feeling um and even when you get the feedback you can't be sure right so um but let's just take it into a more practical level I can, think can i just say, nick, oh, yeah, nick, i sure. just want to break in one thing which is and something I, I write about a lot which is that mm-hmm. within the concept of the construct of empathy yeah. let's say that there are two people there's the one who is emitting empathy mm. who is trying to be empathic and then there's the receptor the receiver of this empathy mm-hmm. and it's it's sometimes it, you might regard yourself as being empathic but the other person yeah. might not perceive it as being empathic yeah and and sometimes you might do something that is very empathic but is not explicit in the experience of the person who's receiving it yeah. And and so when you are trying to evaluate empathy, it's already a complicated thing. You know, how angry am I? Is it a six out of ten, seven out of ten? Mm-hmm. How sad am I? What is the what is the index? And what how different is my index to your index? And then so that's with regard to evaluating your own level of empathy. And and then the other person is the receptor. And it's right now we tend to just focus on how much the receptor is feeling the empathy of the other person i think there's a an element of understanding how empathic we are and what we're doing in or at least how we're gauging the situation the doing piece of course is something that happens after you've been empathic yeah i think that's that's good i okay i wanted to to move into this question about business and how useful it is but i think just segueing in i agree with you there and where we are going when we are practicing empathy is to try and make sure that the meaning between us is shared right uh so i you know just to add to your point i don't think we're just purely entering into an exercise of self-examination um the external point of this is to try and ensure that our communication is uh on the same level on the same meaning at least at least enough uh, for us to, you know, reasonably well understand each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a nice link into why. So why is this such a useful thing for working with people, let's say, rather than you know, in business or in leadership or in management, just like just between people? Why is this? Why is this useful? And how does it change the paradigm that you normally see? Well, let's start with a premise that all business is people business, right? whether you are a uh, manufacturer of widgets or in the hotel industry or restaurant, everything involves people. And so you're selling, you're, you're making widgets with people who are manning factory lines. You have salespeople who are going out and meeting prospective clients. And then you have the customer service element. My widget's too big, too small, needs fixing. And so all these other things are relationships. And as soon as we talk about relationships, empathy becomes an interesting concept. My strong uh, belief is that you can basically use empathy in every interaction, every type of interaction. And and therefore, it, it can be a little bit overwhelming if you as a company decide, oh, I want to have our culture be more empathic because where's the limit? Are we doing it all the time everywhere with everybody in all instances? Or are we going to cap it? Because in the end of the day, what it does, it requires, for example, time. And not only time, but 
presence in order for me to be able to have a, a strong experience with this other person. And in business, time is, is quite a rare commodity where we are always being rushed, we're being stressed for performance, and having that presence, therefore, becomes difficult. But when it comes to the application of empathy, it can be used uh, in, in so many ways. Yet, do I subscribe to the idea that you ought to have a, a coherent approach to empathy? In other words, don't just use empathy to make more money, which is what you can do. In other words, you can apply empathy to make sure that the email title or header is the best one for your 10,000 customers and that it is so juicy and perfect and well thought out and personalized that all 10,000 customers love it. And yet what you're doing behind is whipping the poor marketing manager and say, get it right. You've got to do more. So I, I jest, of course, but the idea of having a congruent idea of, or, or application of your empathy needs to be start from the inside. And then it will actually help in the way you use it towards your customers and, and other things, which hopefully help the business to be running better. So um, I, I, there's, I, I, I like to take this example because it, exp, it, it looks at the, the notion of measurement. So in design, anyone who is working in design knows that empathy is an absolutely core component to it, to be able to understand how the user is going to be using and feeling this product. So the example I, I use is about being in a shower and you're in a shower and you get the shampoo and you, you put it out in your hand and then you rub it around in your head and then your hands are slippery because most shampoos now come with silicon for untangling because I know a lot about shampoos. And, um, and then you, you got maybe soap in your eyes and you go to grab the bottle again or, and it slips out of your hand because of the silicon. So maybe a good application of empathy in the design process would be to add some extra ribs to the side of the bottles such that they don't slip as easily with a silicon infused hand. So this would be the application of empathy. However, you in your shower, Nick, as you're you know, looking around and whistling or thinking lovely thoughts, um, you might not perceive the empathic effort. You might not say, oh, well, that's a really empathic manufacturer shampoos. It, it's sort of just hidden away in this process. And yet there was tremendous empathy deployed. So this is an example of, of trying to think through the experiences of others where you, you emit, but it's not necessarily perceived as such. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those, those are lovely examples. And um, so, and, and then interestingly, it takes me into, so the, the first thing that you said was about presence and talked about coming out of <clears throat> being too busy and being distracted. Um, and uh, even coming into the presence of somebody else to have a meaningful exchange and meaningful conversation, you know, even that can be quite hard, right? Um, uh, to notice that there's a need for a meaningful exchange in somebody else's communication with you, whether they're brave enough to sort of interrupt your flow or stop you or go beyond saying, hey, can I have a quick chat? And actually, I want a real chat. Uh, I want you to be present. Uh, actually, I want you to you stop listening to the voice in your head. I want you to stop thinking about the email you're writing. I want you to look at me, sense me, listen to what I'm saying, hear me, right? So it's quite hard 
your point about it being effortful, I think is is true. You have to put effort into changing your affective state. Even if we're talking about your kind of cognitive version of this, it requires effortful concentration, right? And uh, I think that's a, that's an interesting point. And I love this point you make about uh, you can be empathic within the business and make a difference to customers and they might not even notice. Um, and so that brings me into this idea of accentuating uh, the meaning and how, how might we do that? So, so what do you want to bounce off that, or shall we bring in the idea of AI here? No, no, let me bounce off because I think it'll be relevant even within the AI component, which is that being effortful can border on inauthentic. Yeah. Because, for example, being polite, is it just authentic politeness? Or, or are you holding the door open for her to go through because you want her attention? So to give an example. So there's uh, there's this sort of niggle about uh, the intention behind it and, and what is authenticity. And, and just like being polite, it takes effort. To listen takes effort. So the preceding thought is a little around your ethical idea and your intention, what are you trying to do? Are you just trying to make a quicker buck? Are you desperately trying to keep them on because you, they, you really need them? Well, it sounds like it's more about you than it is about them. And uh, so of course you can't do everything in some sort of philanthropic effort where it's all about everybody else all the time. But to consider, um, where you are, what, what are you trying to achieve with it is, is an interesting one. And what type of ethical framework do you want to have? Because you can't spend your entire time being empathic. And, and, the, and being empathic doesn't mean being nice. Sometimes you can use empathy to deliver a nasty message, a difficult message, like uh, in the case of, of letting someone go. Uh, it's not a pleasant thing to have to say, but you can do it so with greater empathy. And in the realm of three things that hurt or impede businesses from being more empathic, we've talked about two of them already, which are the absence of time and the height of stress, which of course impacts the time, but it also just makes the limbic brain go a little less open to, uh, to listening. The third one relates to senior management, which has a uh, let's say an empathy struggle or an, is empathically handicapped uh, oftentimes. Uh, typically men, which we've already identified, have uh, index at a lower level of empathy, but successful ones on top of that say, well, why on earth do I need to be empathic? Because look, I'm already successful. I don't mm -hmm. need to change anything. Oh, you guys do the empathy and you guys do that. But I, look, I'm here. I'm good at numbers. I'm good at executing orders, making tough decisions. That's, that's what I'm here for. Look at, and look at my salary to boot. So um, finding ways to embed more empathy is what the, the goal should be, not about being totally empathic all the time. Can I come in? Do. Yeah, so so I think you know that's kind of it's opening up a difficult area really about how you know who should who should hold the empathy accountability and is it okay if you don't feel like you are that empathic to still be like a good human being? Um, 
And and we're talking here about how hard it can be and how effortful it would be, which I think is a good thing just to raise because it is. Um, but I also want to kind of just challenge a little bit around the I part of this. Like, is you know, is it is it you know, do I have to be empathic all the time? Feels really firmly rooted in the I me debate. Um, and uh, when you say um, you know, do we have to be empathic with everybody all the time? And I think the obvious answer to that is maybe kind of um, logically no, but there's a deeper experiencing our relationship where the um the answer is absolutely yes uh for me anyway um um and, and it comes to this idea of um your you, you point it's it's all about it's all about us you said it's all about the people but i want to kind of get rid of the nouniness of that and uh you know make it more inclusive and talk about the the more general we and the you know the us uh and the idea of stepping into um, a field of relationing, a field of people who are in relationship with each other always, you know, they're more or less out or in, depending on whether they're just picking up a bottle of shampoo and, you know, appreciating they're not dropping it, you know, um, they're kind of very peripheral connection, but nevertheless, the connection is still somewhat there in the extended intention communication meaning it's just a felt thing a momentary felt thing right so just want to challenge a little bit around the kind of the i-ness of this well great um so it ma makes me think oh well, first of all i i in my book about conversation i write a lot this uh, this idea of me two three so in other words me with somebody the second person uh to make three one one plus one equals three and and to have conversations where we are both aware of our both our abilities to grow together so that's more at a micro level, but the the bigger us uh, is often missing in business, which is why are we bothering to do this? And mm. and and I I think about this in relation in a marriage, for example, if you don't have a a shared vision of of the type of family you want to construct, when you go and have a, a strident argument, you don't have something to fall back on, as in some shared vision. But you know. You and I, we agreed on this as our long-term plan. So let's subsume this particular issue uh, or make sure we get through it to get back to our bigger vision. So the bigger us, when you're in a business, is often missing this idea of a shared purpose where everyone yeah. gets the same idea. But in, in, yeah. the, in the end of the day, when you are uh, in relationships, it's always going to be you and me where, where it's, it's this element of personal relationships you and me and and the only piece like the barriers or the boundaries that you might be putting up you need to focus on you first so that's why i think it's really important to be aware have self-empathy to be aware of your state of mind your presence how much time do you have because time is is a restricted resource and and sometimes I just don't you just do not have the time. Someone else before you might have eaten up 30 more extra minutes of your time that you had readily given. But now you're 30 minutes less to do the uh, 1000 word article you have to write. And you can't just keep on being empathic because someone stopped you. Say, oh, listen, Nick, I want to say, say oh, well, excuse me, <laughs> I need to move along. I think it's a beautiful answer and it's a well put point. <clears throat> so I think the. Um... The, the 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 interplay here is between the amount of energy needed uh, for a particular type of interaction which is which is important um and the fact that you also need to conserve energy so we're going to have to find this awkward balance between being disconnected and heuristic and just making shortcut thinking and stereotyping 
right? And being busy. And then on the other hand, we need to find moments, moments of empathy to stop and actually really exchange. Exactly. Maybe that doctor maybe that dot to dot is just about enough if you get the balance right to mm. feel connected and also feel productive at the same time. So I think that's a, a nice kind of seesaw uh, to kind of talk about. And it's very real. Um, so look, let's bring um, the, the usefulness of this in business and in particular the AI in. Will William here has asked a question about is uh, user experience, uh, UX empathic? You know, when things don't work properly on the app, we just get annoyed. And I think that's a nice segue into this next you know, this next little build. So do you want to just lead us off on the AI piece and how you know, that well, can be uh, integrated? If I bounce off Will's uh, point about UX at some level, there's digital tools in this. And my strong feeling is that AI will be able to help in many regards, much like empathy in business. And so the the question shouldn't be, uh, is it or isn't it going to come? It's going to, it's going to come in. And then the question is your attitude towards it, how you can use it to good advantage. And as far as empathic AI is concerned, we're very far from having a, a perfectly wonderful empathic AI. But what is interesting is that AI is being used in a helpful manner to render humans more empathic. That's the sort of the state of the art as it regards today, Pegasystems, a US company that works on CRM systems, helps people doing customer relationship management to configure, they pre-populate texts and messages such that the agent who's human has the ability to select the one of three or four different options where the AI will suggest the option number one is maximum amount of empathy. However, maybe not going to be very good for business. Option number two is good amount of empathy, possibly good result. Number three is less empathy, but great result. Which do you choose? And this comes back to your notion of, of ethics and intentionality. And, and so we're exploring, a lot of companies are now exploring how AI can be used to infuse or bring empathy into the equation, which necessarily requires us to understand what is empathy and how to encode it. But that's the sort of the state of the art right now. Yeah, and I, so I like the idea there that you, um, if you're thinking about your 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 system design and your customer interactions through uh, the technology, that you need to go back to first principles and think about um, if you are building um, affective responses or emotional responses. Um, to your point about whether you're just chasing a buck uh, or whether you are building on founding ethics um, and uh, whether you're thinking uh, really about just chasing a buck or whether you're thinking about something, you know, it's going to incorporate that in business, but something a little bigger than that. So a, a purpose that includes making money, but is also wider and understands the need to have ethics, to have values, but also to generate amazing experiences um and uh, build reputation uh, reputational connection and brand power through this idea of consistent momentary wonderful experiences um and, and but then also to your point doing it anyway i think your point about the uh, the shampoo bottle is almost doing it anyway mm. which comes to ethics or values right well it and then culture but the opportunity to use empathy in your user experience is is legion does it have to be empathic? Maybe not entirely. Certainly it depends on the definition one uses, whether it needs to be feeling your feelings. But at the very least, applying some kind of 
thought process. Well, I wonder if Nick would like it if I put the logo on top left or the top right. Obviously, that's more about you, but what would be useful for the for the end user? What would be an appropriate manner to express something or to communicate something? And um, an AI right now is is far from being able to do that. However, and I would add this, it is also the case that AI can be much more empathic than humans in many cases, because we've seen all over the place how empathy is not happening in society, how empathy is not happening in business. And 77% of CEOs fear that they will lose respect if they're too empathic. So from just the human standpoint, we have got a lot of work to do. And in the interim, AI that is well-coded with proper ethical framework and a decent business model will be able to be more empathic than some of us human beings are. So, and, and just picking up on that, that it kind of this is a new territory, um, but I already experienced it. I uh, really enjoying having my uh, OpenAI chatbot um, as a study companion, um, it's just it's just uh, uh, emotionally different from uh, going to Google and and searching and then following Google threads back, right? To actually have a reciprocal conversation with something that's doing the same thing is a is a significant difference in experience, you know. And it's more enjoyable and more interesting, and you feel like you have an interaction. You can go you can back and forth uh, in a in a very human way. So even that is you know kind of stand out so there must be already examples of how companies are using using this kind of um, model to improve customer experiences do you have do you have examples that you're seeing well um there are literally thousands of examples now of of companies or or you know colleges that are are using open ai as a open platform and then building something on top of it and so they are all over the place they need to be refined because we're still in a little bit of the black hole of actually understanding how it's all working. No one really has the, the, the full understanding of how it's all coming to pieces. So we can't describe how a, uh, an, a biased reaction might come up. There's, it's difficult for us to really pinpoint what's happening in terms of the AI. But there's, um, I mean, uh, another great example is uh, for, around customer care where a, uh, there's an initiative out of the United States called Digital Genius, which uh, helps customer agents. Uh, it takes out some of the repetitive, rebarbative type of mm, tasks where the AI will provide different s- s- answers to in- incoming complaints and, and help the agent to figure out which is the most empathic result. So in this case, KLM, the airline company, the Dutch airline company, they use Digital Genius to, to augment the human effort and injecting some sort of better empathy, because especially if you get some sort of irate, expletive, lots of emojis, bad ones rather, um, coming in, it can be very easy to trigger a customer agent and the, and the AI is helpful in this regard. Yeah, interesting. So kind of using it as a tool to prompt the human interaction to um, be an, in a, maybe a more present mode and not to be so reactive uh, in the in the chat exchange around inbound complaints. Yeah. So, And if I just finish on, because I know time is short, but the, the where we are now in this empathy and AI is, is using the business applications where the 
the consequences are minimal. It's just about selling widgets. What they're doing is they are refining the tools, refining the large language models in order to come up with a type of interaction that would be closer to therapeutic interaction and, and where the consequences are much bigger, where if a teenager who's feeling suicidal at two in the morning would interact, they, what their objective is, in, in the case of their three or four really interesting examples, they're trying to create an AI that would know how to handle that in an appropriate manner where a therapist isn't available, a therapist or even a friend isn't on call all the time. And, and I think that's going to be a really interesting avenue for the future. Thank you, uh, Minta, for just taking it back into our last theme. I think we have got a couple more minutes um, and I'd like to open that up a little bit. I think you've got a very strong view uh, that AI can be very useful in this extended domain of, of, of therapy. So um, yeah, carry on to tell us a little bit about why you think this is relevant, how you think it's going to help, you know, why it's not kind of like a dystopian horror show. Um, right. so, so in the first place, Nick, the idea of encoding empathy uh, and trying to make the machine more humane uh, actually is a finger back at us, points it back at us. Actually, what does it mean to be empathic? So there's going to be a whole lot of exploration of and, and detailed explicitation of what makes for empathy. And very quickly, you'll come into this notion of what well, we need data in order to apply empathy. I need to understand what the context is of Nick Mayhew. What's happened before, what happened in the interactions for the hundreds of times that we've interacted before, be able to put that together. And in order for that to happen, you need to trust that I'm gonna take your confidential information and, and, and use it appropriately. Because if you don't have that trust element, I'm not gonna be able to get the data from you when it comes to a machine. In fact, uh, it turns out that many people trust a machine more than people especially in business. So this, this um, opportunity of reflection, if you will, of encoding empathy is going to make us explore different elements. And I'm quite enthusiastic and, and positive around how that's going to work out. Then I think the, the nature of it is that it's pushing us, hopefully, to be more empathic um, in business. Uh, if AI starts to do it, well, we, we now know that that's one other skill that we need to ramp up even more if we want to be better, including intuition and creativity. And then the final piece is with regard to the therapeutic aspect, which is that in basically every Western country, the demand for mental health psychologists or psychology has way outstripped the supply. And country after country is looking at huge gaps between what's needed and what's available in terms of human therapy. And so therefore, uh, while I would rather fix society and fix how we've gotten to have this mental health crisis, which has been spiraling higher and higher, well, why not have a, a bot that is sufficiently well encoded with the right intention, a, uh, an appropriate business model that uh, could answer a call at 2 a.m.? Yeah, yeah. So it um, potentially provides uh, um, support uh, in a way that the human population either either can't or won't uh, for for moments of crisis. And again, like for the foreseeable future, it'll not be it'll not be about AI and human. So let's say that the AI answers at two a.m. 
and then it recognizes a situation of crisis, can't do anything more, but it is enabled to do a four alarm fire, if you will, and, and reveal somebody who's able to then jump in and take over because that has been empathically encoded to identify and has the agency to wake Nick Mayhew up to call Minter because he needs his friend to call him. So that notion of agency is a really interesting component. And it leads to fear because, oh, if I give over agency, then the bot's going to think everything it wants to think. So this is, this is where the interplay is interesting with regard to your intentionality. Yeah. And then there's a whole conversation which you kind of touched on today to do with ethics. So um, you know, just kind of just wrap on that maybe. So ethics is, um, I like to call it very simply safety play between humans. It's, uh, you know, how, how we set rules between ourselves, not to make ourselves dangerous to each other, like not to threaten, not to cause cause a problem because we kind of know that we're dangerous so ethics is like safety play for humans uh, for grown-ups and um is it because it's reciprocal because it's between humans this idea of sharing ethics with some other intelligence i think is just a really interesting topic for another day um so one, one say, plus one equals three <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much um for uh sharing your story um and um, I'm gonna just wrap up on the slides now. Um, and then um, in a moment, um, I'll close the recording and then invite everyone who's still here on live so you can ask Minter questions uh, directly. So uh, next Strategy Cafe is gonna be on the 28th of September. Can you believe it? Um, we'll be thinking about um, Halloween and uh, Christmas and getting a ton of stuff done before the seasonal breaks. Um, and we're going to be continuing this topic of AI. So here you can just see some lovely language from Alice. Massive wave of change coming. It's a real moment of evolution. It's you know pretty much unexplored, unimplemented, while lots of people are getting on with it. So we're going to just talk about how uh, in your business you can get started, just with the simple step-by-step -step basis of starting to incorporate AI tools in every day. There's so many possibilities here. You know that it can be overwhelming but actually just getting on with it and getting going with it is the way to go so hopefully a really practical session uh, from us on uh, how to get going on this and we'll bring in some other ideas from different spaces some tools and applications you can go have a look at uh, so you can see what's going on at the moment and think about that um, and then just a, a kind of shout out we'll be kicking off our autumn term as well we've got another call coming up so if you or colleagues are interested in just improving your uh, your leadership, your leadership of self, your ability to come into the moment, your presencing with others, uh, your understanding of your values, uh, your ethics, you know, some of the topics we've been talking about today and how to bring those into the emotional moments of your life in a more engaged, aligned and authentic way, then, you know, shout out and uh, we'll get you on a call so we can just talk about, talk about all of that. So thank you everybody uh, for coming on today.